Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the last Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why it's can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clouseau. It's the same. Just thing. say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Saturday morning, everybody! <laughs> Woo! Oh, I'll tell you that, I'm going to look out there, oh, no rain, man. Oh, a little bit. Now you look out there, let me know that to me, Dito. Oh, what do you like the marshmallows? Yeah, boys. Hell, go on, yeah, the, the, the gin, and don't leave it out there. We know that, that boy to me, Dito. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Are you going to get the marshmallows? Yeah. That was my highlight of the week. That ended abruptly. No subtlety today. So Ryan Buckley went on his uh, honeymoon, and he went down to Nolens. Came back with a video. I don't know if they talked about this on Dusty Cam in the morning, but this was the highlight of my week. He shared a video of him and his new wife going out on one of those gator cruises out on the airboat. And you can just hear the uh, Cajun guy mumbling as uh, he's kind of trying to tell him about the the gator they're about to see, couldn't understand a damn thing he no, said. No, no, no. So he's feeding the he's feeding the gators marshmallows, and he says, he says, I know that that their thing is a meat eater, but he sure does like them marshmallows. But it sound like, yeah, I know that don't meat eater, but don't like the marshmallows, and just. <laughs> It's so love it, Cajun accents. Oh, it's so wonderful. So odd. Yeah, it's just, it's so of its own world. Okay, now, you want the greatest Cajun accent ever. You need to watch the movie Anaconda. Anaconda? I don't think I've ever seen the movie Anaconda. Yes. John Voight oh, has one of the screwiest Cajun accents ever. Yeah. Like, it's out of left field, dude. Like, you think it's Cajun when he starts. He talk like this. But then it kind of turns into, like, French Spanish somehow, and uh, well, are they down in, in make the sure Anaconda? You get to rid of that to snake, dude. You did that to snake. Well, isn't the Anaconda uh, home? Their home is the Amazon. Are they in South America for that movie? Well, they do, but they contract out John Voight, who's a uh, Bayou expert in snakes, I guess. Well, yeah, but if you take a Bayou expert and put him in South America, he's going to get the influence of the uh, Spanish language. Let me so tell you maybe, something, maybe, man. 
Maybe he nailed that accent. I didn't write the movie. Do you think there was a swamp creature that John Voight had to meet and then mold his accent after? Maybe there was an old Cajun guy that lived uh, for 15 years down in South America, took himself a uh, Colombian wife or whatever, and she started to influence his speech patterns. And maybe John Voight nailed it. How dare you insult a guy that I'm meh in a movie that I've never seen? Just want to... just. You want to get this on show that. off on bad footing. Just want to go back on that real quick. You're uh, insinuating that John Voight took enough time to study the, his character in Anaconda starring Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube and Owen Wilson that he went and spent time with a Cajun man and his wife. No, no. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm insinuating that. Yes. But you have to keep in mind that I know very little about John Voight, Anaconda's. And I've never seen the movie. So Again, yes, John Voight, Academy Award nominated. John Voight went to spend time with a Cajun family. Nominated? Did he not win for Midnight Cowboy? I think he was just nominated. I think Dustin Hoffman won that one. Oh, okay. That's... Then again, I could be... Let's pull up John Voight. Yeah, now we're John Voighting right we're now. We're going to John Voight this thing. Who knows he spell his uh, last name? V-O-I-G-H-T. Uh, I did. I typed it right in that way. You can see it on my Google machine right here. Oh, he did win an Academy yeah. Award. Good for him. Was I right about the movie? And four Golden Globes. Awards and nominations. I think he won it for National Treasure. <laughs> oh, dear boy, that's a good one there. Yeah, so he won uh, won a lot for He won a BAFTA, a Golden Globe, a National Society Film Critics Award, and a New York uh, fa- Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actor. Midnight Cowboy, but he was just nominated for the Academy Award. Where did he win the Academy Award? Deliverance. Deliverance. Yeah. That's another Cajun one, isn't it? Uh, No, that's Deep South. Oh, Deep South. Well, I mean, I guess the whole Louisiana Cajun thing is Deep South, but it was more like Hillbilly Deep South. Gotcha. Yeah, totally different. Totally different kind of Deep South. Know yourself. Yes. Check your self-knowledge. Oh, well. Check your stereotypes. (laughs) Okay. Know your favorite John Voight stereotype. Yes, please do. Yeah. Do we need more John Voight in our lives? Well, what has he been in recently? I don't know. It looks like he killed it in the 70s. And then uh, the 80s, he really slowed down in the award noms. 90s, just a couple. He had a nice resurgence there. Best supporting actor in a couple uh, motion pictures. Now, uh, Ali, Rainmaker, the, the Last of His Tribe. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ray Donovan, some now, Golden Globe Awards. Now, would you be surprised if I told you that John Voight was the lead in Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2? Would I be surprised? Yes, I would. Well, he was the lead in Super Babies, Baby uh, Geniuses 2. Okay. Which is often considered one of the worst movies ever made ever. Is it really? Yeah, it's really bad. I no. watched about like 20 minutes of it because I just wanted the experience. And it's one of those things where like, you can tell it took them three years to shoot because they were trying to get the babies in the right position so the CGI would work on their mouths. Oh, wow. It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, what's the the Bruce Willis look who's talking? Not making the baby's mouth move. That's the right decision. But that was... Just that, make them telepathic babies. I think that was John Travolta. What? No, Bruce Willis. Travolta plays like one of the actors in it, but the voice of the baby is Bruce Willis. Wait, are you serious? I'm, I think so. Oh, my God. 
Did you not? Kind of screws I, with my mind. Am I am I off on that? No, I don't think you are. Five five three zero five is a better you today text line. What is your favorite terrible movie, and what is your least favorite terrible movie? Because there are two different kinds of terrible movies. I discovered this on a uh, date night. Uh, I was probably eighteen or nineteen. Mm-hmm. Me and my buddy were we're gonna go watch some. Did films. your buddy went on a date with our girlfriends? Oh, sorry. Actually, it was my girlfriend, and then uh, she had this really weird friend. We had really space cadet eyes. Was she really hot? She, she was hot, but she was like total space cadet. Nice. And I remember like the first three or four times I went out with this girl, uh, I needed somebody to hang out with a really weird hot friend. Why didn't you try to get them both? Because she's super weird. And I don't think that, anyways, let's let's move on from that. Well, no. Because... Had I known what I know now, I probably would have. But yeah, I, go I wasn't, for both. Because I wasn't smart enough then. See, you don't get it. Is that the weird. Listen, I was 18 or 19 and I was very stupid. That's why. Is that fair? Well, obviously. You didn't go for them both. So anyways, me and my buddy uh, were sent into the video store, and we kept asking the girls what movies they wanted to watch. And they were like, but it doesn't matter. And you're like, if you say it doesn't matter one more time, we're going to pick out the two worst movies in the Hollywood video. Mm. That used to be a thing. So they they kept saying, doesn't matter. So we went in, and we tried to pick out the two worst movies we could find, and we got MVP, Most Valuable, Valuable Primate, Primate, about yeah. a hockey-playing monkey. Love that movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful. T- that's a wonderful, terrible movie. They Dude, have to you s- throw a monkey in anything and I'll watch it. Well, and then they put the monkey on ice skates and he can ice skate a little bit, but not well enough to get what they need from the thing. So they have to speed up the film to make it look like the monkey's going really fast. But looks like he's they- just friggin' going on power plays. But <laughs> yes. But here was the well, thing is they didn't have enough ice time to clear the ice. So there's always somebody in the background of it. And it very often it was not somebody playing hockey. So just be like random, like free skate, like somebody's going to the Olympics practicing in the background randomly. The whole thing is absolutely wonderful. Uh, but the other movie we got was Battlefield Earth. Yep. They Battlefield tried to make Earth's great. They no, it's they tried to make that a good movie. They worked really, really hard. You know, it's based off Scientology, right? Yes. It's bad. Terrible. The worst part of Battlefield Earth really is the cinematography. And I know that sounds Mm -hmm. kind of like nose in the air. I don't think you're wrong. But just pay attention to the fact that every shot is at like a 45 degree angle. Real quick, you're suggesting people are going to go back and rewatch it based on this conversation you and I are having right now. Dude, all you got to do is go to YouTube and look up one scene. Seriously. Every scene is at a 45-degree angle, either left or right. And it's, it's really weird. And it lives somewhere between indigo and magenta as yeah. far as the filter that's on the film. Yeah. It's confusing. It's it's what ruined Barry Pepper's career, which I don't know if that's a bad thing. But Barry Pepper had some momentum going at that point. Could be. And then John Travolta survived it yeah. somehow. Ooh. Did he? I Be- think Pulp better Fiction than poor helped him. Pepper. Was Pulp Fiction before? Well, see, yeah. that's what we have to figure out. No, Pulp Fiction was definitely before. I don't know. I think it's in the face-off era, which is post. Because that's Fat John Travolta's comeback was Pulp Fiction, and then anything with Fat John Travolta was post-Pulp Fiction, I feel like. What am I looking at here? I don't know. Oh, here we go. They're giving me a list of his music. His, why, John why Travolta's music? do I care about music? that? Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Um. We're off to a rousing sports talk start. Oh, who cares, dude? Yeah, it's I, the NBA Finals. That's pretty much it. Whoa, like, what else whoa. do we have? Hey, what, do you, what do you want to talk about? The Mariners? Stanley Cup Finals? We do have to talk about the Mariners later. 
55305 is the better you today text sign. Somebody coming in with uh, two favorite terrible movies, Army of Darkness and Evolution. Army of Darkness is absolutely terrible. But in a wonderful kind of way. Yeah, it's really great. Now, the greatest terrible movie of all time is 2004's The Room, starring Tommy Wiseau. If you've never watched this movie before... The Room, not Room, which was Academy Award nominated. Yes. Now, uh, don't get them confused because it's two different plot lines, but The Room is absolutely incredible. Um, It is shot, and I'm using air quotes, in San Francisco, but many times it is extremely obvious there's a green screen. (laughs) Like, in very odd situations, too. Like, they're up on a roof, or they're at a coffee shop, and they're behind a green screen. Or for some reason, they just, right in the middle of the film, start throwing a football to each other, in a back alley. Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? No explanation. You they haven't I made reference on a back alley before. But dude, they haven't made reference that any of them play football before the movie, or like, hey, someone's trying out, or hey, we like to go do this when we're stressed out. Like, there's no, there's no development in the plot. It's confusing. I, I have not seen it. All right, how about how about we do this? You look up the John Travolta IMDb page, figure out when he got fat and when he made its official comeback and we'll talk about that next but we'll also talk about basketball did you know that last night was game four of the nba finals felt like a game two to be quite honest we'll tell you who won oh wait you probably know who won we'll tell you our thoughts on who won and how they won and why we're mad at nick nurse for making a very poor coaching decision late in that game even though they held on to win all of that is next you're listening to the center and the saint on 1080 The Fan. Luke Anderson, Will Darkens in with you on a wonderful Saturday morning. The Golden State Warriors are on the brink of elimination. And here's what's shocking about that. They're playing against the Toronto Raptors. What's shocking about that? Did you think... At any point in your life, you'd see the Toronto Raptors on their way to an NBA Finals championship? No. Actually, never. Yeah, right? I mean, like, as a Blazers fan, have has it sunk in that the Raptors are likely to win a championship before you do? They've made it back to the Finals before you did, and here they are on the verge. I know they haven't won anything yet. And the Raptors will be the first to tell you. That's the thing that worries me is they seem to have their heads in the right places. I mean, you do realize it is in all technicality, a big market team, right? It's a huge market team. I yeah. guess when you really think about yeah, like it's the- massive it's Toronto, Toronto is a gigantic city. I mean, I know it's the country, but I mean, we're just talking about the city. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. Sure. But so, yeah, I can believe that they would get there before we do. I mean, we're a really small market team that I would honestly call a legacy team that somehow we've built off of the whole 77 title and we had a resurgence in the 90s and uh, early 2000s. But I mean, you know, we're a small market team that's kind of niche. Yeah, I I get that. But the funny thing, you know, that we've been talking about over the last few years and this Neil Olshay thing, we've given a big pat on the back for making it to the Western Conference Finals. Now, granted, the West is much more difficult because of the Warriors, but here the Raptors uh, going through the East looked like they had much more of a struggle to get to this point. I know that the Warriors have a ton of injuries, but they look poised under pressure. But here's the thing that is is kind of counter to the praise that we gave Neil O'Shea is both of these teams that are playing fired their coaches before 
they got to an NBA Finals. I mean, Mark Jackson took him to back-to-back playoffs, had the kind of the team starting to move in the right direction, and the Golden State Warriors said, eh, let's get him out of here. Let's get in Steve Kerr. I mean, Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year last year, and they went, eh, let's get him out of here. Let's bring in Nick Nurse. Hey, let's get rid of that star that we have, DeMar DeRozan, and let's br- go after this guy that might be a one-year rental and still might be a one-year rental in Kawhi Leonard because we need to do something if we're going to take it to the next level. And here they are now. Three to one in the NBA Finals, and and I know we're happy in Portland having this core that we've developed. And CJ had some breakout games, and and Dame obviously in the series against OKC absolutely took over. But man, you realize what it takes, the risk that it takes to kind of take it up to that next notch. Blazers I mean, haven't done it. I don't know. I would say it's a massive risk, and this is probably going to if they do win the. NBA finals, which uh, to be quite honest, I know I don't want to jinx anything, but it's starting to really look like that's going to be the case. Um, I think only one team has come back from a three, one deficit in the finals. Yeah. Uh, So, I I mean, when you look at it in retrospect, yeah, it's a risk that did pay off, but if you look at it in the moment, it was an extreme risk, which means that you're dumping DeMar DeRozan, who's been, you know, one of the core two dudes that you've built your program around, really the resurgence of your program that you've built around in the late 20 or 2000s, really early 2010s. And now you're giving it up for Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, we weren't even sure if he could play basketball. He what played nine games last year. Yes. And there were reports of his injury that it was absolutely devastating, that it would be career altering. Uh, so I mean, yeah, the risk has paid off. Even if they don't win the title, I still say the risk paid off. You won the East. If they got swept in the finals, it paid off. It paid off. But I think for the Blazers, you're in a tough spot now where really you can't take any more risk. I don't think you really can. Now you can't, yeah. No, you can't because you've already locked up. uh, Well, you're about to lock up Dame for a Supermax. CJ, you're going to have to pay. That's probably the only risk I can think of, but... Really, you don't have enough money at the right time to take the appropriate risk because you can't sign any big free agents. And if you trade CJ away right now, I don't know how much you're really going to get back for him. Yeah, well, I mean, his value is as high as it's ever been, but he's as like you can't sign to Marcus Cousins. No, no, probably not. No, you don't have the money. You have yeah. to. You're going to have to dump some salary. But anyways, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I mean, let's talk about the Raptors. I mean, they are a team that the amount of poise that they have with Kawhi Leonard at the leadership helm just makes such a difference. And that's, you know, that's because he has the experience or just because of his temperament or whatever it is. But man, I kept thinking that the Warriors were going to make that run early on in the third quarter. You have Clay Thompson just red hot. You've got, you know, a team that, well, they make two of 18 threes in the first half, the Raptors. Like Kawhi Leonard just goes, come on, guys, I got you. What he's for, 17 in the third? Yep. I think another big part to this that really is completely understated was two dudes other than Kawhi Leonard, one being Fred Van Fleet. Now, that Vliet. guy, Vleet, whatever. Van Vleet, double V. Yeah, I'm going to give him a fleet. Check that. It's going to be Van Vleet. Thank you. Uh He's one of the unsung heroes, I think, of that game because he was a stabilizing force when Kawhi Leonard was on the bench. I mean, not so much that you could look at the stat sheet and say he completely blew it up, but at the same time, when Kawhi was taking that rest at the start of the fourth quarter, offense was humming, man. They were running clock. They were uh, having great ball movement. And then the second guy you have to thank for this is 
Kyle Lowry, which I never thought I would say ever. Yeah, but the third, but the, here's the thing, dude. Is, but Siakam, Gasol. I mean, the Kyle when, Lowry. When you have leadership like that, it makes it so much easier for everybody to operate. And that's the thing where you have a guy. I mean, Kawhi Leonard in the post games, just yeah, we haven't done anything yet. Doesn't matter if we have. You he know, called we have Kyle Lowry games. their quarterback. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Take it from a guy who hates on Kyle Lowry, who you has do hated hate. on Kyle Lowry hate. constantly yeah. because he just basically sweats it out during uh, any playoff series. But, you know, there have been a couple of postgame interviews with him I found pretty interesting because he would go into it and say, like, hey, they need me to play more free. They need me to take more risk. And he's obviously been doing that. Well, it makes a big difference when all the weight isn't on your shoulders. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, there, yep. there's there's another guy that's, that's bearing the the – most of the load and willing to take that superstar star role. And then you get to just play free and lose and you can take more risk because you don't have to worry about it being, you know, blamed on you if you lose, but you have a team that looks, the team that looks like they've been there before is the Raptors in these moments, which is the, I don't know how much it has to do with injuries. And it's, it's unfortunate that you have the Warriors kind of, I don't know if it ends their run, but kind of the the way that they're limping into this finals. But, I mean, Clay Thompson, give him all the credit. You know, he comes out and just goes, hey, it has nothing to do with the injury. It's not the hamstring. I know I, was out, I missed my first playoff game. But he says all the right things. Steph it's Curry, the hamstring. I, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he played well and scored well. But yeah. when you get to the end of the game. You could see him limping a tad, yep, yeah. Yep, and you have him exhausted. And you have Steph Curry exhausted. So there's no reason to think that they won't be able to, you know, bounce back and put in an effort in the next game. But it sounds like you're not getting Kevin Durant back. Um, but I, what I was disappointed about, you brought up Fred Van Vliet. And I was very disappointed that Nick Nurse didn't have the thought in the moment to put him back in the game after he came back onto the bench with stitches. It was just just as one of those things to go, all right, you're my guy. Thanks for being tough guy. Get out there and just hit a three. I don't need you to go and mix it up. I mean, the, he, he lost half a tooth. He had a few stitches in his face. You don't have a risk of like major injury or anything. It's just one of those moments that galvanizes a team and shows that guy's ability to go out and perform, you know, un- under pressure and and it, like a thank you, almost like a thank you card to him. Just go, hey, get out there and get the get the ovation from every city in Canada. Did you see the pan they did across the country? Yeah. Of all the outdoor gatherings watching that game. I think uh, one of the things with the Van Vliet wa- uh, whole kind of hit in the face thing is that uh, that guy definitely got a concussion. <laughs> he Why definitely did you say got- that. Did you see the slow-mo? Yeah. Dude, when Sean Livingston's bit. elbow comes back and makes yeah. contact, you can literally see the skin on his face just, like, reverberate back and his skull oh, shake. Oh, he's fine. Yeah, I wonder why he didn't go in when he was uh, anchoring the team. Oh, right, yeah, it's a concussion. I think he got a concussion and they didn't want to call it, and he somehow told the trainer. Con- yeah, if he has a concussion, he misses the next yeah. game. I think they just said, just stay out. You know, we, we can give an okay excuse for it. And when they uh, panned back to him on the bench a couple of times, he looked, I don't want to say out of it, but just kind of a tad foggy, which, dude, I I, I know concussions. That was a concussion. <laughs> Completely inadvertent. Uh, five five three zero five is a better you today text line. Uh, one texter says things fell right for the Raptors with injuries. Golden State is without injuries. I assume that means uh, Golden State is much better team. Good for them. They took advantage. It's a fair point. I mean, they're not the only team that's played them with Kevin Durant out. 
Yeah, and let's just put it this way. This is the actual Golden State team that should be playing. This is how it should be. They should That's have... not fair, though. No, no, no. Let me correct you there, uh-huh. because the thing is, they should have more money to spend on the other pieces. Quinn Cook has yeah. been absolute garbage. Sean Livingston didn't have a great game uh, last night. But had you not spent the money on Kevin Durant, you think you would have better pieces. It wouldn't yeah. be this exact same team. They're actually a worse team because they lost a guy that takes up two or three spots where you could have a beneficial role player. And it's absolutely amazing to see this now. <laughs> I, I, it's complete vindication, I believe. I, I, I just feel like this whole Kevin Durant debacle they're going, they're going into now. Now, um, what's his, uh, what's his nuts? Big fat guy from Cleveland, uh, Brian Windhorse. <laughs> he was talking after the game on, uh, SVP, the, uh, sports center at night. I have a hard time listening to Windhorse. Well, he was saying like, you know, I've been in that locker room here for the past week and you can kind of tell there's a feeling amongst the team that like they were hoping Kevin Durant would come back and they were just kind of waiting for this time at around game three or four of like, okay, he's going to come back now and he's going to help us. And they're starting to kind of feel like, uh, maybe he's holding out here. Maybe he's really not about the team. We got Clay Thompson, who had a pretty bad hamstring pull. I mean, it was enough that he was limping himself off the floor. And to have a turnaround of just, you know, one day rest and come back onto the floor, that's pretty hard. Yeah. And so I think it goes back to what we were talking about last week and the whole kind of what I know you were kind of questioning me theory, which was... I kind of feel like Kevin Durant's holding out. Yeah, so does this help or hurt? Because somebody brought it up on the text line, but does this help or hurt the legacy of Kevin Durant going, oh, the Warriors did need me overall? Because what we've said, and especially after the Blazers series locally, is that this team is more fun to watch. They don't need Kevin Durant, but here they are. If they lose in five to the Raptors without him, then you can point to it and go, oh, KD is that valuable of a piece. I don't think he can. Okay. I really don't believe because they closed the that, Rockets out. They swept the Blazers. They, If you point back to their playoff record, at a certain point, they had only lost one game without Kevin Durant. Well, I think it's more the Clay Thompson injury that has affected the last two too. games yeah. for sure. But this morning, as I was driving in, listening to some of the other talking heads around you know, sports radio, and they go, oh, if they just had Kevin Durant, this is why you need Kevin Durant in there. Kevin Durant changes the whole series. Which, of course, it does. But Clay Thompson being healthy in game, playing in game three, being healthy in game four also makes a difference. There's there's a lot of elements to it. But I feel like now people are leaning towards that if KD were here. Well, I'm going to go back to your question, which was, does this hurt his legacy? Sure. And I would say, no, it doesn't do anything to it. Because yeah. I think his legacy was ruined once he went to Golden State. I'd agree with that. I really think that a lot of people in basketball, it's a huge split between those that think Kevin Durant is one of the greatest, if not the greatest Uh, scorer of all time, honestly. Sure. Uh, And then others who are like me, which is, hey, you blew a 3-1 lead in the playoffs (laughs) with another future Hall of Famer as your running mate. Then you joined the team that beat you who broke the record for NBA single-season wins. You are one of the snakiest people in NBA history. And you started a movie called Thunderstruck, which was literally a repeat of the movie Like Mike with Little Bow Wow. Shame on you, Kevin Durant. Shame on you. Go to the New York Knicks, lose for the rest of your career, and we'll forget about you in 10 years, you POS. If somebody screw you. Yeah. Barf. Jerk. If leg if the legacy is he's holding out, it will haunt him forever from the text line. Doesn't matter. His legacy is already completely ruined. You know what's really ruining his legacy? The burner accounts. And his stupid face. Yes. Yeah. 
and him having horribly thin skin. The fact that somebody called him Mr. Unreliable in the Oklahoman and he threw a little tizzy fit about it. Yeah. Like this is the most insecure superstar I've ever seen. The fact that the only time you've ever seen him happy is when he's dominating teams because he's running with two other Hall of Famers next to him. Again, you know, it must be really nice to take like eight minutes off at a time during a playoff game. Ah, let's seem easy. Mr. Friggin' scorer of a lifetime. Yeah. No. Tired of it. Sick. All right. That's my Kevin Durant rant for the day. No, it's not. We'll I'm do done. It. We'll do another one in an hour or two. Don't oh, worry good. about that. We'll get <laughs> we'll get to another one in an hour or two. But there's some strange news out of the NFL. Jets get a GM. Good for you. But another team fired their GM. This seems like very peculiar timing. We'll get into that. Uh, but first, your sports interrupting. Welcome back to our silly little radio program. Somebody wants John Voight to go back to the swamp. A lot of people probably want John Voight to go back to the swamp. Why? I don't know because he's so good there. He's so good. I mean, listen, when he goes to the swamp, I mean, uh, movie magic is made. You haven't even seen Anaconda. What? I know, but you told me about it, and it sounds amazing. And he's even in the swamp. He's a swamp creature that leaves for South America. He's not a swamp creature. They want him to go to the backwoods. No, spoiler alert. He does get eaten by the snake, and then the snake half regurgitates him, and he's like, he like looks at the uh, lead woman, and he's like, <laughs> and then he swallows. The lead him. woman? Yeah. Is that J-Lo? Yeah. Is that the J-Lo, J-Lo movie? Yeah. Uh, do they play uh, Baby Got Back in that movie? Because it seems, I mean, you have an Anaconda, and you have J-Lo. Uh-huh. I assume that's on the soundtrack. I think it's a more serious tone. It's a very Wait. serious movie. Are you suggesting that... Baby Got Back is not a serious song. You know what's interesting about Anaconda, the movie, is it follows the same trope that are really stupid about some movies where, like, there's something really dangerous out there, and a group of people go, you we got to go find it. Let's go check it out. Yeah. There's, like, the no reason to go check it no, out. No, they're scientists. I, aren't they? But but it's always, like, are flimsy. They? They, it's yeah. flimsy reasoning as to, like, why they need to go check this man-eating snake out. No, no, it's science. It's okay, for what purpose villagers are, are disappearing. Uh, you know, these indigenous tribes are disappearing off the banks of the Amazon and I've studied snakes my whole life, but I've got a troubled past. I need to put together a motley crew to get out on this airboat and go uh, surfing down the river. Somebody give me a swamp master and a uh, former rapper from Compton and uh, one of the Wilson brothers. Let's go. Okay. Now here's the plot. Are you okay, ready? Here's me. their reasoning and for doing again, it. Again, never seen the movie. Am I you wrong? tell me if this is good enough reasoning to go after a man eating snake. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, I'm skipping the first part cause you don't need to know it. Meanwhile, while shooting a documentary about a long lost indigenous tribe known told as you. the Shirishihamas. Okay. Told you. Director Terry Flores and members of her crew, including a cameraman, Ars Cube, uh, <laughs> and childhood friend Danny Rich, whoever, all these people. Uh, okay, blah, 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 blah. A motley blah, blah, crew. Blah, blah, blah. Believing he knows. Uh, uh, okay, so they're looking for a tribe, right? That's what I said. The indigenous a people. Dangerous indigenous tribe. Yeah. So they're going out looking for a dangerous indigenous tribe sure. and then stumble upon a dangerous indigenous snake. Yeah. It's like where there's fire, there's probably more fire. What are you doing? You don't need to go after these people. Do you remember the story that we talked about last year about the kid that went to bring Jesus to the most dangerous indigenous tribe in the world? Yes. Yeah, so people do this in real life. They should make a movie out of that kid. (laughs) The kid was an idiot. So stupid. I was so pumped when he got shot with an arrow. Okay. 
What? Dude, well, I mean, come no, on. No, you're good. I'm just saying if we get into this, then the football talk just kind of goes out the window. Oh, so yeah, what do you want to do? Football. Do- <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Swamp people football. Who got a concussion this week? No oh, wait, concussions it's not yet. yet. It's Sorry. the off season. Sorry. But it's a strange spot in the off season, right? Most of the draft's over. Did a player give somebody else a concussion, smacking them in the head with their money bag? No, but uh, apparently Tyreek Hill is not being investigated for child abuse. So oh, that's fair. Sure. For the Chiefs? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's really fast. Yeah, well, yeah. So They couldn't catch him, right? So there you go. That's nice. Uh, no, but the interesting news of the day is hirings and firings at the GM position. And I'm trying to figure out how much impact the general manager has after we're in camp. So we've had mini camps and OTAs. Your Most of your free agent signings are done. Draft is over. Seems like an odd time to fire a general manager, but that's just what the Houston Texans did. They fired Brian Gain, who's only been employed for a year. He had a five-year contract with the Houston Texans, which, first of all, that's awesome. I didn't see the terms of the contract, but he's getting paid for another four years. So good for him. Vacation. Yeah, and you assume he's part of the uh, good old boys network because he, you know, his resume reads, you know, head of scouting and president of player personnel or whatever. He'll get another job in football, so he'll get paid twice. Good on you. Um, but this is—it's a little interesting because the narrative that I heard this morning when I was driving in was Bill O'Brien is now going to have three GMs in six years. But the ESPN article that I read that kind of overviewed this suggests that it's really probably nothing to do with Bill O'Brien and much more to do with this Brian Gain character because the former GM actually left to take care of his wife. So that was Rick Smith, and he took a leave of absence because his wife was battling breast cancer. So it doesn't sound like anybody's driving anything out. It just seems like maybe this guy wasn't a good fit, and now you move on. So you feel like after you make it through everything, the draft, free agency, perfect time to move on, don't you think? Uh, I think this might be a situation that's similar to what you see going on in the NBA with the Raptors. And I mean, you know, I know it's the difference between a coach and a GM, but yeah. you know, the Raptors were just banging their head against the wall for the past three years and they couldn't get past LeBron and they couldn't get past a certain point in the playoffs. And they said, I, we have to take a risk here. I don't know what the Houston Texans risk is. We're yeah, seeing what their that. tactic is, which is firing the GM. Now, where does the risk come in? Because you won the AFC South you were considered one of the better teams in the league heading into the playoffs last season. I do remember that. Uh, I mean, everybody was pretty pumped up about that Texans uh, Colts wildcard game yep. because it was two teams that were like red hot at the time playing each other. Well, and I think it's a division battle. So it's always yeah, fun. and it was just like a huge, it was Let a down. huge letdown. It yeah. sucked. That was one of the worst games of the playoffs. I mean, that was even worse than uh, whoever the Chiefs played in the first round. They blew them out. I'll read you the statement the Texans put out with that, and, and then what you're, you're going to do is try to read between the lines. Okay? See if, you can, see if you can decipher what they're thinking with this. Oh, I can't really see it from here. After a thorough evaluation of our, team, our football operation, mm-hmm. We have decided to relieve Brian Gain of his duties as general manager. Brian is a man of high character 
and we anticipate his contributions to our appreciate his contributions to our organization. We will begin immediate search for a new GM in the interim. Football operations will be led by senior vice president of football administrations. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, he slept with the owner's daughter. Right, he did yeah, something. He did. Yeah. When you bring up high character, it's going. You're going to hear some stuff in the next few days, but we really like the guy, but he did something we can't forget. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, he slept with somebody. I don't know who. <laughs> somebody high up. He did something. They're going to try to cover it up so it doesn't ruin his career, but he can't stay there. Yeah, they appreciated him, but he made a drunk decision, and now they live with it, and they yeah. go, we can't have you around. We're going to let him go so that you don't dig any deeper into this, mm-hmm. but we can't have him around because he's poisoned in the organization. Doesn't have anything to do with football. Has everything to do with, you know. Maybe he's been taking it upon himself to just take Dukes in like one locker in Every the locker time. room that like hasn't been used. Like, no, but he doesn't. He doesn't the road team yeah. like the visitor visiting locker. The and empty like, locker. They've been looking all off season for who deuced yeah. in Andrew Luck's helmet. Yeah, uh, during the the you know, the game that Houston was there. It's like an industry mystery where like all the GMs and coaches are talking to each other and being like, every time we play the Texans, it always smells like crap in our visitors room. Like what is up with that? Does anybody else notice that? And then they start finding the Dukes and they're like, yeah, pretty sure it's gain. Yeah. And he's always talking about duking on stuff. (laughs) So that's exactly what happened. Uh, You and I, you and I are on the same page. He slept with my daughter. Uh, Also the Eagles uh, vice president of player personnel is now the general manager for the new York jets. His name is Joe Douglas and he's a football, football, football guy. So good for them. Jets are going to win a Super Bowl now because of Joe Douglas. Oh, Joe's the guy, huh? Joe's the guy. Uh, So those are the two big moves in the NFL. That's what did it. But we need to get you all the news stories that you may have missed this week. Hot Anaconda news. Will Darkens brings you more news about anacondas and good versus evil. We do that next right here on The Center and the Saint. This is 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the... What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. First, he won a Super Bowl with an incredible run. Nick Foles. And then he got you to the playoffs. The whole team started playing better. And then one on the road against the Bears team he was supposed to lose to and almost won. The receiver makes that catch. He almost could have won on uh, against New Orleans. That Secret Service extra in a B-grade action movie, Max Kellerman. The Philadelphia Eagles decided to lock up their franchise quarterback this week, giving Carson Wentz a four-year, $108 million guaranteed contract. He's 23-17 and 17 as a starter, but with zero playoff appearances, on a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. He's missed a total of eight games over the last two seasons, but the Eagles decided to give him Russell Wilson money anyway. Is Philly making the right decision? I Maybe. I mean, it's, it's just so hard to say. I mean, a guy that hasn't been healthy doesn't seem like somebody that's earned the money, and is he going to walk if he doesn't get that kind of money? You know what I mean? What other... What other team is going to pay Carson Wentz that kind of money? You know, that's Dude, don't underestimate the quarterback market. It's crazy. Well, that's I guess that's where I'm at is I don't I don't fully understand. I mean, I guess if Kirk Cousins can get 90 million guaranteed, then people would have paid Carson Wentz to get him out of there. You've already let Nick Foles walk. So you have to lock up your guy. 
I don't know. I mean, as quarterbacks get older, they tend to play that less physical brand of football. He can throw from the pocket, so he played like an MVP before he got hurt. The team won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. It doesn't mean that they would have lost with Carson Wentz. It's not like he came in and played better. He came in and played as well as Carson Wentz was playing. It wasn't like it was a, oh, we need to call in the back because this guy's not cutting his I think it's way. just locking up your young quarterback yeah. and yep. accepting the fact that the money will balloon if you wait another couple of years. Yeah. Might as well just pay it now. I think you're right. Sometimes I forget 50% of television households in this country are in the Eastern time zone. And so if your West Coast games start at 1030 at night in the East, you're invariably going to lose a lot of viewers who are around 11, 1130. I mean, you can you can just chart it. You see how many television households turn off. That was animated exoskeleton curious about his own sexuality. Adam Silver. More news came out this week concerning the NBA chasing television ratings. The commissioner reiterated on the Today Show. The league may tinker with game start times. Every small town's rich guy, Mark Cuban, told a tech audience in Los Angeles this week that the association needs to look at every way possible to increase TV ratings because apparently that's where they make their money. Yeah. Even if that means starting games at times that are inconvenient to ticket holders. Would you be in favor of this initiative? Well, no, because I'm not on the East Coast. I mean, this is entirely a ploy for East Coast televisions. He set it up front. I live on the west coast so it makes no difference to me i'm just curious how this is going to affect the viewership in hawaii i mean there's hundreds of households out there that watch the nba and you know they're going to be watching you know mid-afternoon games it's really going to affect that lahaina viewership darn which is going to make it tough no i mean listen if, if if you're adjusting the game times what does that do to the city? You know, the the Blazers play a three o'clock local time tip. Dude, and I'd you, be into that. And you're holding tickets. Does the boss go, yeah, get out there and go watch the game? I mean, the culture would adjust to it, right? In NBA cities, people aren't going to abandon their team because of it. I think that would be great. It's more like a day game or a five o'clock tip. Uh, yeah, you leave work a little bit early and get over there. It's yeah. You get, I think if you just sprinkled them in. Just sprinkle them in, like try to make it so they schedule on Fridays or Saturday games doing that. Just like certainly weekend games. I have no problem with that. I love the, I love the earlier start times in the playoffs for, uh, for, uh, weekend games. Yeah. Each year they worked for me. We sat down and said, what are our expectations? What are our goals? And and we're very, very thoughtful and mindful and spend a lot of time on what the goal should be. And we set that up this year and we didn't meet them. That's man with crappy beard and owner of the Washington Wizards, Ted Leonisis. The team fired their general manager nine weeks ago. They still don't have a replacement. And the Wizards were turned down by Denver's Tim Conley. Now, the Washington Post is reporting that they're pursuing Toronto Raptors GM Masai Ujiri. Do you think the Wiz have any shot (laughs) of snagging the Toronto man? I mean, any. Well... Money in his face, any shot. Is he from Washington? Did he grow up as a Wizards fan? Has his dream his whole life to be the general manager for the Wizards? I doubt it. <laughs> um, Didn't no. work with Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if, if you have if you have a gig where you just shuffled the deck to get a three to one lead in the NBA finals. The Toronto Raptors are going to pay you all of the money. 
I mean, I, w- what they're offering Kawhi Leonard to stay, if he even makes a head fake in the direction of Washington, Toronto will offer him the world to stay. This has been one of the biggest risks, like you said, in the history of the NBA. I mean, you have a... Were they the number one seed last year going into the playoffs? They were, and they said that uh, game one, we're treating game one like a game seven against Washington last year. First game of the playoffs last year. Coach of the year uh, gets fired. Uh, One of the pillars of your organization is traded away for a guy that may not be able to play. Yeah, no, he's not going anywhere. Toronto will pay him too much money. Yeah. (laughs) I also just wouldn't go there. Plus, you'd never pay a meal. Yeah, to go to... It's, It's a dump. Yeah. All right, time for my favorite story of the week, and this one comes from Louis Downer. Yeah, we got one in the media. This one on Sladell. A police department in Louisiana is reminding people that it's there to serve, just not handle customer service complaints from Taco Bell. Sorry, one more time. The Slidell Police Department posted on Facebook Monday that someone called to complain that a local Taco Bell had run out of, quote, both hard and soft taco shells. The department says that while it was a, quote, travesty, they really can't do anything about it. I mean, you're shutting down that Taco Bell, right? I mean, if you're the police commissioner, you're you're surrounding that thing. You're going in there. Uh, you're claiming terrorist uh, ties. No, no, no. You're doing a prostitution sting. <laughs> yes, I'll take a uh, chalupa and tug. Oh, what now? Extra sauce. Excuse me, sir. I have hard and soft tacos. See, that's code word for the uh, for the rub. Yes. Can I get a soft taco? And how drunk are you that when you go through there, you're like, dude, all I need is taco. Listen, let's go get a taco. Everything's going to be wonderful. And then you get there and there's no taco. And you go, that's it. I'm calling the police. I'm going to do it, guys. I will say it. that when I used to drink and get really drunk and wanted fast food, uh, not getting the food I wanted was a trigger. Now, I wouldn't get really angry, but I would get very frustrated to the point of like, are you serious? I don't blame this guy. Now, I kind of bl- would be pissed too. I blame the designated driver because all he has to do is just go, yeah, okay, sorry. Hey, Johnny, hold up real quick. Yeah, just give me chalupas, whatever. Give me just some crap. I'm going to feed it into his face. He's clearly drunk. No way, dude. Yeah. You, you, nah, wouldn't have you don't you know how drunk this guy was. That's he, what I'm saying. If he's drunk enough to call the police because of a lack of tacos, he's drunk enough that you can slide in a bean burrito into his pie hole and he's going to be just fine. And he'll wake up the next morning and be like, why do I have so much diarrhea? And everybody's goes, probably the tacos and everything will be fine. No, no. Why do I have more diarrhea than usual? <laughs> yes, exactly. And they'll be like, it's the tacos. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You put a lot of fire sauce on those. Yeah, could I get a uh, one soft taco, extra soft? <laughs> Sorry, what are you asking What's for? <laughs> yeah, extra sauce, you know, please. You know what I'm saying. And just say it right into the microphone right there. <laughs> Slidell police believe that there is a rub and tug <laughs> going on in the back in the freezer where the protein was. Uh, like we made fun of Orchids of Asia quite a bit for not being the most reputable establishment. If you're going to Taco Bell for your, uh, you know, pleasures of the night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you mean? I'm just thinking this. That's the perfect well, place to all, do it. Well, let's just say they, we question the quality of their food. Uh-huh. So I'm guessing that the quality of their ancillary services would probably not be all that wonderful. Hey, man. I don't know. Those, I those people roll roll burritos for a living. If you know what I mean. 
if you're picking up my drift. All right, that's your good versus evil. It's brought to you by 808. They're the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants at 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. In hour two, we'll dive back into the NBA finals. They're fighting in Boston, not Blues fans and Bruins fans, just Bruins fans. Why are they doing that? That seems stupid. And we need to get into an exploded testicle. Plenty to get to in hour two of The Center and the Saint right here on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.